So, we met online. This is a podcast about love, sex, and everything in between, the world of online dating. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Erica. Welcome to So We Met Online. If you would like to learn more about the show, visit us online at sowemetonline.com and join us throughout social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at So We Met Online. This week, Erica sat down with Joe to discuss all of the different expectations we all have in dating. Do men and women have different expectations? Let's find out. So we met online, first had contact with this person on OkCupid, and we exchanged some messages, as you always do, before the first date. I would say that the first date progressed pretty much normally, you know, conversation, the chemistry was pretty good, everything was fine. Uh, And it was before the check came that she just kind of put out there, hey, I'd like to split the check. Now, had you gone for just drinks? Did you have dinner? Uh, Dinner. We met for dinner. Yeah. Did you plan to meet for dinner? Yes. Oh, I'm going to have to get on your case like I always get on Chris's case. I mean, I get it. I know you're a gentleman. So is Chris. It's all good. I hadn't come across your sage wisdom at that at that time in my dating life. I know. Once you come across my wisdom, no going back. So you had dinner and she insisted. Tell me how that went down. So you pulled out your credit card. No, it was before the check even came. Uh, and so it was not as if she insisted. It was totally fine and polite. She just said, hey, just to let you know, I'd like to, to split the check. Now, did you want to treat her? I w- that would be my, have been my assumption. You know, that was kind of what I was brought up to believe that the man paid for the dinner. And I think that was my dating experience to that point was usually, you know, a, the guy just expects to pay for the first date. So I wouldn't say that it, it I'm shocked. not going to get into, Chris and I will get into later, should there be a norm? Should there be an expectation? But let's let's keep going. No, so I wouldn't say it shocked me. I mean, she was very polite about it and that's just the way it was. Had, had that ever happened to you before? Uh, no, no, it hadn't. Uh, but that sparked uh, a question then a series of conversations after that about just sort of her ideas of feminism, which really hadn't come through in the messages we'd exchanged, you know, and, and not just that night, but throughout the early part of the relationship, there were just lots of conversations about how do you feel about me holding a car door for you or opening a door for you when we enter exit a building? So you would actually ask those questions? Well, yeah, because once I realized there was a sensitivity there, when she first asked to split the check, you know, she just said, that's a thing I don't like. I don't like to feel taken care of, you know? And I so, love to feel taken care of. <laughs> so immediately I realized there was a sensitivity there and I realized that chivalry was a thing that, you know, my normal way of operating in a relationship, which is to be chivalrous and open the door and all those things, it was called into question. Are you comfortable sharing with our listeners how old you are? Because I do believe that age plays a part in this. Sure, probably does. Yeah, I'm 40. Okay. So at this time, I was 38 or 39. This was just a couple of years ago. Okay. Like I said, throughout the early part of the relationship, there was a lot of sort of like laying the groundwork for the expectation there because we did date for a few months and I had to just kind of learn, how does she feel about each of these little things? And it was- So you never just open the door to see her reaction. You asked her. Correct. Was the answer always, no, I can do it myself? Like, how did she respond to that? Uh, I wouldn't say there was always. It would be, you know, if I would say, how do you feel about opening doors? You know, that was very early on. I'd ask the question once. And if she said, you know, I don't like that. Unless obviously if you're just the first one going through a door and you hold it and you open the door. I don't want you just to stop and wait for me to walk past you so I can open the door myself. But it's just, I'm a big girl and I don't need to have someone hold the door for me. That's what she said. Yeah, that was that was her attitude. And I think it was, it was actually very diplomatic. You know, she just, she didn't want people to go out of their way to force her to do things for herself. She just wanted it to be an equal relationship of peers and she didn't feel like chivalry was an appropriate male-female, I guess, component of a relationship. Did she ever say why she felt that way? Because... 
I'm somebody who is capable of doing everything myself. I mean, I live by myself. I work for myself. I'm financially independent. But I love having a door open for me and being treated sometimes because it's that feeling of I don't need it. So it's extra nice when someone wants to take care of me, not because I need to be taken care of, just because it, it makes me feel really special. That's like the OK Cupid question. Right. What question? Chivalry is, you know, what A, B, or C. One of the answers is not necessary, but nice. Something what like did that. you put? I think that was my answer. Not necessary, but nice. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we actually probably talked about that because I, I, and I don't think this is just my speculation. I think that she actually told me she was from a very conservative family. When she grew up, she was the only daughter in the family. Her okay. father had very strict ideas oh. about the girl's place. I believe that, you know, we even talked about him having some opinions about the type of schooling that she should be you know entitled to and things she was allowed to do in the family because there were men's roles and women's roles Hmm. and so maybe there was a part of her that was just like overcoming that and stepping outside of that box and just not wanting to retreat to a place where she felt like people viewed her as female and therefore limited wow what other examples are on that list of things that you might have thought every woman out there wanted but this woman didn't like you've said paying for the bill, opening doors. What else was there? Uh, that was probably the thing that I ran into most often. I mean, what, I'm, what I remember most is that going through my head just about every time we would enter or exit a building or <laughs> we would get in the car is that to remind myself, okay, deviate from your normal programming. Don't walk around the car and open the door because she doesn't like that. <laughs> uh, and, and just weird things that came up every time. I'm, I wasn't used to every time the check came, we both pull out a credit card. I find that you know? so tacky. I always tell my clients that splitting the bill puts you in friend zone. I think it's nice to treat each other sometimes. You know, thank you so much for dinner tonight. It's on me next time. That way it's still one credit card. Yeah. I find this fairly interesting. So how long did you two date? Uh, About six months. Okay. A little bit less, I think. Out of curiosity, for the next person you dated, did you go back to your default of being chivalrous or did you feel the need to ask what somebody wanted. I specifically remember that I asked. I specifically remember the next person that I dated getting into a car with her and asking, how do you feel about men opening doors for women? Oh, I'd be so annoyed. I would just want you to do it. (laughs) It's interesting, and I'll get into this with Chris later, but so many of my female clients come to me and complain that the person they're seeing didn't do something or did do something. And they expect that that person can read their mind or should know the default. But even though I don't agree with this woman who you were seeing because I love that chivalry, again, not because I'm entitled, but just because it feels good, I think it's really good to show that all women are different. And we as women can't assume that a man is programmed from birth to do these chivalrous acts because he's probably, like you just said, he's probably just doing what the last woman told him to do. You know, I tell that to my female clients all the time. What if the last woman told him, I can't believe you would always want to whatever, fill in the blank, treat me to this, pick me up at home, whatever it is. So now he thinks, oh my gosh, nobody wants me to do that. Is there anything else we should know about this experience? Like how did it impact you, your dating life? Everybody has their preferences and you just realize that you don't necessarily know what everyone's preferences are. Not everyone will be programmed, you know, because we kind of are, we're creatures of programming. So we learn to behave based on the feedback we get from other people. Not everyone will be, will be programmed to meet your preferences. So I was a little bit concerned in, you know, future relationships, like having met someone who had very strong opinions about not being open to chivalry, wondering if I don't hold the door, a person could be super irritated with me. 
Now I know that if I do go and hold the door, somebody could be super irritated with me. So my answer to those things is always ask. Ask, seek the information, you know, which is why I ask what could be an irritating question was like, how do you feel about me holding the door for you? You know, and you know, did you, she make you ask before you kissed her? Uh, no. Okay. I've heard stories where some women like the guy to ask and others. Right, yeah. Someone want the guy to be really assertive. They'll actually ding him for asking to kiss first. So that's just another example of you need information or you just take a gamble and hope that it doesn't land wrong with the person that you're you're dating. Right. One more question. Have most women you've dated fallen into the category of this woman you're talking about or mine where they just really like chivalry? Yours. Yeah, I mean, she was the one exception, but the experience with her was powerful enough to have left an impression that I want to find that out in some way, shape, or form at the beginning of any relationship because she was so adamantly opposed to it. Hmm. You know, she felt like it was belittling to be taken care of by a guy who's trying to be chivalrous. Man, I love when someone tries to take care of me. It's just, you know, especially as a business owner and especially as someone who has been on her own since, since after college, it's so nice to sort of let go and let someone else do something for me because it happens so infrequently in my life, just my day to day, that it's really nice that in a relationship someone can do that. And I will say one more comment, especially when clients complain to me, female clients, about someone not doing something that they want to have done, I will say, well, does he know you want that? Well, no, he should know. Right. And that's where I say, nope, he doesn't know and he will not know until you ask. So, you know, this is back to what I always say, you get what you allow. So if you really want, since we've talked about the door opening, fine. If you really want that door open for you, yet he doesn't do it and you're getting angrier and angrier every time, the fact that you've never said anything, he is clueless. He has no idea you want that. And one day you're going to explode and burst out when you're angry about something else. Right, yeah. And it only takes one time to teach somebody your preferences. Yeah, and you don't have to do it aggressively. It's just, hey, I love having the door open for me sometimes. Like, how hard is that? I really appreciate her politely stating before the check came that she wanted to split the check. That opened the door to a conversation. It opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> but that paved the way for conversations that allowed me to understand her preferences and to work within them for the rest of that relationship. She sh- could certainly have just been irritated had I picked up the check, been irritated every time I right. opened a door for her and no, never I'm, said I'm anything. I'm glad she expressed herself. I mean, that's a lesson too. You have to be able to express yourself, whether you like something or you don't like something. And so many people build up how difficult it's going to be to share that something. Well, that buildup is much worse than just saying... I love when you do that for me. Or, you know, that's not really my cup of tea. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, we'll take a break and come back to discuss. Thank you for listening to So We Met Online. If you enjoy listening, we invite you to visit our site at sowemetonline.com slash sponsors and find out how you can help support the show. On the site, you can learn about all of our sponsors, donate to the show, or promote your own business by becoming a sponsor on one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're a fan, please share our podcast to your friends, co-workers, or anyone else who is looking to meet someone online. And we're back. I'm here with Chris, and we were actually lucky enough to get Joe, who just shared his story with us, to join us for the conversation Hi. on 
Hi. Yes, welcome. <laughs> uh, on gender roles and stereotypes in dating. So, Chris, why don't you start us off? I think you have a story you want to share. Absolutely. I'm going to take a reverse to this. The other day, I was actually driving through a parking lot, and I got out of the car, and I noticed there was a couple, mm-hmm. and the woman was... An opposite-sex hand- couple? Yes. Okay. And I noticed that the woman was handing the man a bouquet of flowers. Okay. Now, I thought this was interesting because what it clearly was demonstrating at the time was a reverse role. Sure. Often, we as men are the ones required to give females no, flowers. No, there's It's just generally, if one is to give flowers, it is usually the man. The Absolutely. Couple. But this is what we're talking about, right? In our day and age, this stereotypical activities that Mm -hmm. we see in most relationships are starting to change right i think there is some openness that a woman giving her boyfriend flowers is okay or even a woman proposing absolutely you know actual stories of a woman proposing oh yeah and i'm not talking in uh in a couple that's two women i'm talking in a male female relationship you know a woman who proposed yes yes several huh and similarly, I know that my daughter um, in her high school, like girls ask boys to dances now, which is kind of a flip in, a, in you know, historic. I, I like that. That's, that's a, a step well below proposing, in sure. my opinion. Well, there is the good old Sadie Hawkins dances, right? Yeah, but oh, now anything true. can be Sadie right. Hawkins. Exactly. I encourage women to ask men out. So I don't see a difference between that and the dance. But the proposing, I think it's great when a woman feels empowered to do that but as a woman I would never do that because you always will wonder would he have done it himself I see that but a guy could ask the same question right I think if a guy proposes the he may always ask did she just say yes sure Really? Yeah. Sure. The, the, the same shoe. Did you ever think that? Okay, you've both been married before. Did you ever think that? Well, I think later in the season, we're actually going to have a conversation specifically about settling in relationships. Okay. But I do think that there have been times where I have asked women out on dates mm-hmm. and I oh. have felt as if they may have been pity yeses. I understand. I understand. And, and I've asked men out too. And to be honest, I've never felt that way because people are adults. And generally, people spend their time where they want to spend their time. Men and women alike. So if I ask a guy out and he agrees, I assume he wants to be there because he could be doing anything else with sure. his time. That's true of a woman too. Do you no. think that's less true in a proposal? If you propose to a guy, he's more likely to say yes and give you cause to doubt no, I think people will only say yes if they want to say yes. Don't you think? Wait, but I think but your implication was that if you asked a guy to propose, if yeah. you asked a guy to marry you and he said yes, you would always wonder if he would have done it himself. I would always wonder if and when. But I think, isn't that also one of the reasons why women are asking men? Because Maybe I'm being hypocritical. I don't know. No, I think there is this belief that men may take their time and women want to get an answer well, I mean now. that's a whole other topic because sure. I believe men and women are very different in terms of their readiness for being in a committed relationship I think right. it takes a lot of different circumstances for a woman to be ready versus a man to be ready so a woman could be sitting here thinking 
Well, if I wait for him to ask me to marry him, it might be another two years. I might be dead. Right. right. So, I mean, that goes, and this wasn't even something we were going to talk about, but that goes to the ultimatum question. I think it's really in nobody's best interest to give the partner an ultimatum as to when to propose. I've known, I'm not going to lie, I've only known women to do that, and it always backfires. Mm. Yeah. I want to talk about, okay, so, you know, you said, can women give men flowers? Sure. I mean, generally, if I'm going to purchase a present for the person in my life, it's not going to be flowers. But I absolutely think both partners should, if they're a gift-giving type of couple, buy gifts for each other. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot before about, like, the five love languages. And one Mm -hmm. of the five love languages is gifts. And I think... Any type of little gift, like small notes in your lunch or a card in your suitcase or something waiting Mm -hmm. for you in the car on both sides is perfectly normal in any type of relationship. I mean, I don't know about normal, but it's wonderful. It's special if the two people like that. Exactly. I think where this story comes into play is specifically around this topic was when we're starting to talk about stereotypes and Mm -hmm. the reversal of these stereotypes. Right. That actually seeing a woman give a flower, which is traditionally a man's type of gift, Mm -hmm. that that is a shift that we are seeing. So when we start talking about now opening doors and, you know. Paying. Well, I want to talk about paying. We've talked about paying before. And I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I did notice, now granted, not to be totally nerdy, but uh, my sample size is not large enough to draw any statistically significant conclusions. However, I did notice that when I went on dates with men who are older than I am, generally they would pay, no questions asked. Whereas when I went on dates with men younger than I am who are in the millennial category, it was not assumed that they would pay. In fact, some would be offended if it just it was very different and it's funny because you know I'm all for feminism and all for equality but when it comes down to it as I was saying Joe to you before it's not out of a sense of entitlement it's just out of a sense of you've asked me out I want to feel like you really want to be there and part of the way of doing that is treating me not because I deserve it and also We've both committed to a time there. A lot of people think that the payment should be based on how the date went. I disagree wholeheartedly with that because I don't know if you read this. <laughs> there was this thing the other day someone posted. They wanted it to go viral. They like put it on Facebook. It was a screenshot on Venmo, you know, where you pay people of, I guess, a man and a woman. I'll say boy and girl. They were young, 20s. I don't know. Had a, I guess, mediocre subpar date whatever she didn't offer to pay now the offer is another thing i know we've talked about this i don't believe in the fake reach i like the words oh would you like me to contribute if he says yes you contribute if he doesn't then you don't apparently she didn't make the offer this really pissed him off and he sent her a venmo request for twenty dollars for the drink that she did not offer to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem to me that in general, um, chivalry does, I think, kind of get lumped into like the traditional values category. And mm-hmm. I think you do see chivalry less often in younger people. Yes. Why, why is that? It's a generational thing. It's the, no different than anything else that we're seeing today with technology and how people interact with yeah. each other. And I mean, who would have thought... 
five years ago even that somebody would have been like, oh, I didn't like this date, so I'm going to send her a bill for the drink. Okay, I hope no one thinks that ever because... <laughs> but again, <laughs> no, I no think... No to all the listeners, right. don't do that. But that that's a generational thing, right? Where we're coming from, where we believe that the men should pay for the date that comes I'm from to how say we should were... because that makes it seem like an obligation and it's not an obligation it's still a choice but but it's... see but see that's the that's the disconnect right because i personally believe my my soul uh-huh. my gut me as a as a person mm-hmm. i must pay okay but it's a choice you're making beforehand what i'm saying is it's not a choice you should be making after based on how the date went well, no, I'm, I mean, I'm not paying based on a sliding scale here, you know? <laughs> but I would say that it's not really a choice at all. It's kind of programmed that unless something really strange happens, my expectation is that as the man, I'm going to pay for the date. Oh, so. uh, l- let's be clear here. I've had awful dates. Yeah. And I've paid for the date. Sure. And I've had awful dates. And so sue me, I've let him pay. Because I don't think, again, that the paying for the date should be be based on the quality of the date or if you plan to see that other person again. I will always thank that person profusely, but I don't use my paying as a signal, which some women do. Some people will insist on paying if they don't plan to see the guy again. And I tell them that they don't have to do that because that implies that you think you owe him something if he is paid for you. The only thing you owe him is a genuine Thank you and an appreciation. Yeah. Now we've talked about paying for the dates before. So let me go on a different angle of this. We talked about, or when you guys were talking earlier, you mentioned how in one relationship you may ask, should I open the door? And in in another relationship, it might be a completely different answer. Mm -hmm. Is there any type of default that we should automatically adjust to? Like in my world... For me as a person, I would think that I would open the door for every date no matter what. That's my default. But what if she told you not to? Only if she told me not to would I then adjust to what that was. Well, I think that's what you were saying. Right, yeah. I think that, that, you know, I would not say that in the the second relationship I might have overstated, you know, that it wasn't like an overt, do you mind if I open this door for you? It's more like I make the assumption that I'm going to open the door, but I'm much more attuned to the body language of the recipient now because I know... In a way that I didn't realize before right. that this could actually be offensive and I would never have imagined that. That's crazy to me. Right. Um, you talked about technology before, Chris. So I, I have a few things I want to talk about when it comes to gender roles and stereotypes in technology. So something that happens all the time on the online dating sites is often when a male and a female are conversing on whatever, Bumble, OkCupid, Tinder, it doesn't matter. Often, I'm noticing with my clients that a guy will say, here's my number, be in touch. He just shoves his number and expects that the woman is going to reach out. That is a major pet peeve of mine, and I tell all of my male clients, if you want to exchange numbers, which, just for what it's worth, I don't actually recommend texting at all before the date, because I call texting the death of the first date, but we could talk about that later. But you can say, here's my number, but... If you're more comfortable, what's yours? I, I'd love to reach out to you. Because that way, it's not making her do all the work. It's not making her send an awkward text saying, Hey, it's Erica from OKCupid okay texting you. You know, and it just kind of 
takes away all of his accountability. So I always recommend that the guy say, what's your number? I'd love to be in touch. Or if you want mine, you know, I'm happy to give that to you. Something like that. It often stops at that point because a woman feels like, ah, I don't want to do the reaching out. And that's where conversations end. Well, I think it stops on both sides. It does stop on both sides. And I also think that this is an, another example of how the generational gap has changed. We go back 20 years, say, before online dating. And if I was to ask you out, mm-hmm. I would naturally say, may I call you? Sure. What's your number? May I call you? Right. You wouldn't just I shove would never, your number in someone's face. Right. I would never just say, here's my number. Call me whenever you get around to it. No. That technology has simplified us, has dumbed us down, basically. Sure. And we've talked about this before. Above all things, it has helped us to avoid conflict. Well. It helps us avoid conflict and it also helps us avoid rejection. So when I say, here's my number, I can walk away and if she doesn't call right, me. no accountability. No accountability. It doesn't matter. But she's not calling you because me. you did that. So I have this men's dating cheat sheet I give to all of my male clients. And one of the pointers on there is do not shove your phone number at a woman. Ask for hers if you want it. And offer yours if she wants it. Also, same thing at a bar, a restaurant. Let's say you meet someone out and you want to get her number. In the past, when people have asked for my number, they'll shove me their phone. And make me put it in myself. And I say, no, I actually prefer that you ask. Because it makes me feel like more of a lady. Makes me feel like, not that there's much dirty work that goes into putting a phone number into a phone. But again, it just, it goes back to that chivalry a little bit. Like, I want to feel just a teeny bit special. A counterpoint to that might be, though, it might feel unseemly if there's not, like, reciprocity in the transaction. So if I'm a guy and I want to ask for your number, just mm-hmm. to say, hey, what's your number? I'm not offering anything. So if what are you supposed to be offering? Well, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm trying to think what my approach in this interaction would have been in the past, and I think it would have been something like because the presentation matters too. It, you don't always just have to shove your number out there and just pick it up or put it down or, and walk away if she doesn't, you know, respond. You can sort of say, hey, I'd love to be in touch via text. Here's my number. Uh, if you're comfortable sharing yours, I'd love to, to text you. See, that and would- I would rather someone say, you know, it's really great talking to you. I would love to get your number. Yeah, and it may that's just be it. personal preference, though. Perhaps. I also, well, this is another pet peeve of mine, and I don't know if I can speak for all women in this case, but I don't like when, if, if and when a guy does, in fact, get my number, texts immediately and saying, like, Joe. As in, like, this is Joe. Because I want to know you're actually thinking about me the next day, that it's going to be something a little more than a little texty banter. So... I do think actually it's a preference of most women. After you get her number, give it a minute. Let it simmer overnight. Text her the next day something more thoughtful than just simply saying your name. Here's my number. Right, but do you think there's a, there's a middle ground there though too? Like if he did text you right away but said something thoughtful, that that's better. That's better than just saying. Sure, but that's also in the moment. You know, maybe people were drinking. I don't know. It's a much nicer touch the next day to say it was really great meeting you last night. I would love to go out sometime. Right, and you're coming from. Your personal ideal perspective on this, right? Uh, mine, but I, like I said, I can't speak for all women, but I do believe I speak for many. Right. I'll take this a different direction. You're going down a path of, and we'll just use like Bumble as an example. We've used Bumble. We've set up a date. Mm-hmm. We've gone on the date. The date went successful. Great. Then we exchange phone numbers. Okay, sure. In a lot of cases, 
we're actually exchanging the phone numbers inside of Bumble before the date, which we've talked about in the past, which you get into that texting and that's the death of the yeah. first date. We don't have to talk about that. Well, I do think there's something to be said for exchanging phone numbers within the app maybe a day before, in case someone's running late, needs to cancel, can't check their app in the middle of the day. There's something to be said for that, but yeah. not for a texting relationship. But that's also what's happening, right? And I think what we're also seeing is this reluctancy to actually get on the date. So what's happening is... People set up a lot of obstacles for themselves. Exactly. So people are exchanging phone numbers. They're in those texting and it's endless messaging back and forth, whether that's inside a Bumble or Tinder or whatever, or if it's even in text messaging, they're going back and forth and that date is never materializing. That's why I call it the death of the first date because... One, you build up false expectations about who somebody's going to be if you've had this conversation. You send way more intimate, uh, many people send way more intimate things over text that they wouldn't actually tell a stranger in person. And three, it's like there's no urgency anymore once you're texting with someone. Like what's the urgency to set up the date? And then it devolves into this banal, how's your day? What did you do this weekend? Right. What would you have for breakfast? You know, well, Which right. We've so I do believe that keeping it in the dating app for some reason holds more people accountable to actually setting up the date. Yeah. Speaking of Bumble, this is something you mentioned to me earlier, Chris. We talked about double standards when it comes to Bumble. So you sent me a screenshot last week of someone who wrote to you. No, I'm Bumble. The woman has to write first. And someone who wrote to you, hey, cutie. Which, how did you feel? You probably felt flattered. Well, my very first instinct. So what's interesting is I actually received three first messages in a row that had a similar theme. One said, hello, handsome. One said, hi, cutie. And one said something like, oh, you're cute. Hashtag humble brag. Um, (laughs) I mean, you are an attractive man. but But we talked about if I did that, I mean, if you did that to a woman, if you wrote... Hey, cutie. Right. Hey, sexy. Hey, beautiful. I would stop talking right. to you. So I sent it to you and you're asking me what was my first instinct. My first instinct wasn't like, wow, that was really nice. That's sweet. My first instinct was there's a double standard here. Absolutely. Because exactly as you said, if I would have been my first text to any one of those women saying, hi, beautiful. Oh, you're pretty. Mm. Oh, hi, sexy. It's offensive. Anything like that. And lazy. Boom. Disconnect. Absolutely. Look, there's double standards that go both ways. But in this case, I wanted to mention it only because it's relevant to this. Yes, that is a double standard. And how that fits into the stereotypes in dating, I'm not even 100% sure. But it's something I did want to mention. What else? Anything else on this topic? So when you were talking about the preferences, right? And I agree that in a lot of relationships, you have to actually have that conversation. You have to actually say, do you want me to open the door? Maybe you don't, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you can share some of these things that you like by just saying things like, thank you. Thank you, you right? exactly. Like I open the door and if you say thank you, I'm like, oh, she appreciates that. I'll open the door in the next time. Exactly. Right? As opposed to actually having the conversation. But as you were talking, it made me start thinking about, really, this is the case for any aspect of a relationship. Oh, yes. It doesn't have to be just chivalrous activities, like opening the door or paying. It could be anything within a relationship. You talk about talking about your preferences. How about when we talk about sex? 
Absolutely. If you're not telling your partner what you like or don't like when it comes to your physical connection, there's going to be challenges. Yeah, because they'll never know. They're never going to know. Guys aren't mind readers. Women aren't mind readers either. Mm -mm. And we have to be able to have these open conversations about anything. It's fascinating too because often in too many couples, the only times they talk about sex, when? During sex, right? They don't have rational conversations about it, not during sex. And that's when you should be talking about things, not in the heat of the moment or not in the middle of a fight. You should be talking about things when you're both calm, you're not thinking about this stuff, and that's when you share your preferences with someone. So, you know, I get so many female clients who come to me like, oh my gosh, this new guy is only texting me. He's not calling. He must be so immature. I can't believe... And I'll say... Well, did you tell him you want a phone call? Well, no, he should just know he's he's this age. Doesn't he know how to use the phone? I said, yeah, well, maybe the last woman liked texting. So, you know, some people find phone calls off-putting. I am not one of those people. But <laughs> but it, it just, I mean, that just goes to a, a, a bigger topic about communication in a relationship. Sure. Communication is one of those things that you have to practice early on when the stakes are pretty low. Because if That's you, true. Because if you don't do that and you can't get comfortable talking about the things like the opening of the door or the paying of the check, then you're not going to be able to talk about what you do and do not like in the bedroom. And you're certainly not going to be able to talk about whether or not you think it's time for you to have met his parents and he's not passing that invitation, all those big conversations are going have to have to happen at some point. And if you're not afraid to have the casual conversation about your preferences, you're never going to be able to have the big conversations. Oh my gosh. So much to talk about. I feel like we have to end on these words of wisdom here. Joe, it was a pleasure having you. Absolutely. Thank you. Chris and I will, of course, be back in our next episode. But for now, we just want to thank you for listening. Again, if you're looking to find more information, you can look online. So we met online.com. You can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, including iTunes. Where else? Android. Android. (laughs) Google Play. Google Play. All the places. We have our archives there. So if we mentioned anything in any episode that referenced a previous episode, feel free to go back and listen. And as always, you know, thanks for coming. 